Hello and welcome to the Dr. Lisa Clow podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Clow, and today we're talking to Dr. Lori Clow. How you doing, Lori? Hi, Lisa. How are you today? I'm good. Where are we starting on your journey? Well, um, I guess from the beginning of time, <laughs> <laughs> my time that is, um, you know, you had asked me to contemplate, um, uh, you know, life journey or a kind of a journey to heal type of thing. And, um, you know, I came up with, uh, you know, I, as everybody does in their life, you know, my, my story is certainly not unique, but it, to be told to, with the eye, and I know that you're focused on this too, is the eye that perhaps if you can help somebody by, you know, telling your story, that that's, that's the greatest gift, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> so, um, I, you know... Uh, I was born in, in 1968 and grew up in the 70s, you know, I think we're around the same age, so you too, and um, I, my journey, I guess, is kind of one of healing from abuse and pain, um, and the first, I guess, element, or if you want to call it trauma tally number one, yeah. <laughs> would be when I was you know, when I was quite a young child, I, I around five years old, my parents were divorced, and you know that that subject has been spoken about for for a long, long time. And we know that what occurs in children of divorce and it leads, especially in young children, I think, to you know this deep seated feeling of abandonment, um, right. which causes this guarded emotion and. And I guess lack of real trust in people from from an early age, and I think you know as a young child it, it's quite devastating um, because when you're young, adults are infallible, right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't you don't have that notion yet. You don't you can't even comprehend that that might be true. So when in fact something like that happens, I think it's quite catastrophic. Um, yeah. You know, I don't place blame anywhere. People are people, and you know, when you get older, you, you understand reasons for divorce. But as a kid, you, you can't. And so I think, you know, that just that that, that gets buried deep inside of you. And, and for me, as it does, I think, for every kid that goes through it, it just causes this sense of abandonment. And sure. So I think that segues into the real the real trauma, really, is, is because of that. My, you know, my mom was a, a single mom during the separation and the divorce period, and, and she had to work full-time. So there was me and my brother, and um, what do you do with two little kids? Well, you have to get babysitters for them, right? right. So uh, we, my brother and I were special, uh, maybe not so special. I don't know if you had this with your brother as well, but we used to beat the heck out of each other. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> period for, for me and my brother as young kids and not knowing how to deal with it. So how do you deal with it? You take it out on each other. Right. <laughs> so, um, so my mom actually had to send us to separate babysitters because one babysitter couldn't handle the both of us. We <laughs> 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 quickly found out that well, you better separate these kids before they, you know, before we end up uh, incarcerating them. Yeah. <laughs> 
I went to a family friend who my mom had known from church for, for many, many years. And, um, and she uh, was a woman who also took care of some other children from church. So I went to that family and then, and there were a couple other kids there. One, one in particular, John, who, who was a really good friend of mine growing up. And, um, I don't really talk much with him today, but I know if I reached out, he'd be there for me. But it, in a lot of ways, that was just an idyllic thing. Like how fun going and hanging out with other kids. I remember the summers there and playing and laughing, you know, just being a kid. I mean, we, we did everything, riding bikes and playing in the woods and running barefoot and all these, you know, idyllic things. And they had a pool and I, uh, John and I spent hours in the trees, you know, just that's hanging fun. out in the trees, talking to each other. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> you know, swinging with a rope like Tarzan. But so, you know, I, but then there, there's the flip side of that, which is like I call, you know, trauma tally number two. And it's the big, it's the big trauma. And then that is that the babysitter's son who was in his twenties at the time, um, was living at, at home. And, um, my mom would pick me up later in the day than John's mom would pick him up. So I was kind of like the last kid standing. I was there when all the other kids had gone home and I used to play in the basement. And that was kind of the, the, the beginning of the, the sexual abuse and the babysitter's son coming home from work and, to, you know, luring me into his room in the basement and, and nobody knowing what was going on. You know, I don't know that you want me to go into detail about it, but it, it, it was, uh, to this day, you know, I'm afraid to, uh, not afraid, I think I've, I've kind of dealt with the fear factor, but it's still disconcerting to me to be kind of by myself in a uh, public setting, you know, it really created a lot of anxiety for me, sure. and we can talk a little bit about that later, but. That, yes. that was trauma number two. And the problem there was it wasn't just a one-time thing. It, it was over and over and over. Um, and as a kid, again, we've, been, we've heard so much about this in the news in the last few years that people talk about it, which is a good thing. I mean, thank God we're finally, I think, at a place in society that it's okay to talk about it. Um, but back then, and especially as a child, you, you don't tell anyone right. and, and it's the typical abuser saying, Hey, you tell someone, uh, you know, you're in trouble or worse yet, we're going to harm you or worse, even still, we're going to harm your family. And all of that was true in my case, that deep seated fear that if anyone found out and then of course the hatred that comes, the self hatred that comes with that. <laughs> Um, but so that was kind of, um, the beginnings, but that it didn't stop there because this family friend, um, like I said, had, was a member of the church as well. And, um, you know, my parents trusted that, trusted him, um, with, with my care and, and I didn't have say in the matter. So he would constantly ask my parents, Hey, can I drive Lori home from church today? 
this was even after I was, you know, at the babysitter. This was when my mom had gotten remarried, and but we still saw this person, you know, every Sunday and Wednesday night Bible study and that sort of thing. And my mom said, oh, yeah, sure, you can drive Lori home. And, well, you know, that would happen all over again, the abuse. Wow. And he would torture me through, and I call it torture because it truly was, um, all the way until I was about 16 years old. He would show up to my bus stop. And I was so afraid that I would get in the car with him and go. I I really had no ability to say no. Wow. I just I just couldn't, you know. And so it was years of this, and it was true sexual abuse, not just molestation. And you know, people can look that up if they want. And sure, <laughs> okay, sure. I don't think we need to go into grave detail unless no. you want me to. But, no. Um, uh, so. Yeah, it, it was horrible, and I finally got enough, I guess, realization and, and more understanding of about what was going on and to, to put a stop to it when I was about 17-ish, and, uh, and then that's when I told my brother, hey, you know, this is what's going on. He was younger, but he was my great defender and has been ever since, and he really helped me a lot to to kind of navigate this person who was constantly trying to contact me. And he, he even did, even when I was in college, and he, even after college, he'd call my parents and ask, you know, my mom and ask, what's Lori's phone number? And, you know, of course she wouldn't divulge. At this point, she didn't know, but my brother had, had kind of alluded to her, you know, this is what's going on. Don't don't give any information out to this guy when he calls. So um, she didn't find out till later. But anyway, that was, like again, my trauma number two. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, you know, was the big one. It is. And, uh, and, you know, it's been it's been a journey, I think, to navigate everything that comes with that. Um, and, and I didn't really start doing that until I got to such a low place in my life that I had to address it because I, did, I, I pushed it under the rug. I did everything I could to not have to deal with it, to not think about it. Just, I think everybody probably does that. Hmm. So that was, uh, that was a biggie. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, you know, I was also a gay teenager. So that, you know, that added to, other issues you know i know you had a previous guest talk about that and maybe we could all come back and chat about that together it's, it's oh that would be great that would be great <laughs> yeah but um so you know i think that abuse uh, later I, and I, I guess i would say you know coupled with with that i've also endured some physical trauma you know, I would call that tra- trauma number, big trauma number three, is, um, you know, I played sports growing up. We all did. I know you were big in sports, yeah. bodybuilding, and everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the toll it takes on your body. Sure. And, uh, and I had a pretty severe shoulder injury playing sports um, that that's led to a, a few shoulder surgeries. But what... Uh, I think it was made, and I, I know this now just from you know doing some more you know, diving deep in, into pain that um, that physical pain and 
the tissue trauma and the nerve trauma is really exacerbated by you know the PTSD that that I suffer from and, and it truly is post-traumatic stress disorder caused by the abuse sure. and I think that you know physical pain um, well, it has also been a journey for me because you know like everybody probably who is enduring chronic pain they they're they're seeking to overcome that pain how do you do that well you know a lot of times we go to western medicine and we go to the pain doctor and the pain doctor says here take take this pill it'll make you feel better you know after surgery you you have uh usually you're prescribed pain medication which is um you know oxycodone or hydrocodone and and so you know you typically would stop taking it after a week well in my case i i was still in quite significant pain after my last shoulder surgery and I and I was continuing to take the opioids and you know 12 years later I was still taking it wow and it was I hate using the word addiction because that just brings up so much baggage right yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh you're an addict no I mean it, it was a dependence, right? A physical dependence. Sure. For sure. But, you know, emotionally, what you're just trying to mask that pain and that pain that manifests itself as physical pain, I think, comes a lot from the emotional pain that's really deep-seated. So right. um, the when, other part of the equation of overcoming, you know, in this journey, this pain is um, was getting off these opioids and trying to figure out how to do that in the best manner in the current medical environment that doesn't really facilitate that for patients that have actually been prescribed opioids. Hmm. Because they're reticent to send you to rehab because you're not an addict in the traditional sense. You know, you're not out on the street seeking drugs, you're being prescribed them. So their solution, at least in my experience, has been to heat. Take uh, take this down as slowly as you can. Do it on your own pace, and you know that is extremely painful to do it that way, in my opinion. So my solution was just to quit cold turkey, which you know I don't recommend to anybody. Yeah, not not to anybody. It, it was it was the most horrible. You know, it it was right out of the movies. You know, <laughs> the vomiting, the, the sweating, the horribleness for two weeks but um, on the uh, I came out on the other side of that and oh much better I feel like a new person you know really and truly uh, thank God for for helping me get through that and um, it's been over I've been about a year now since since I stopped taking him and it's it's night and day do I still have shoulder pain yeah I do but I've been you know alternatively dealing with, with that so yeah. you know we can I guess you know if you have any questions for me at this point you surely can ask me or yeah well you know the one thing about pain and what I've learned as um, through my yoga mentors and one of them in particular always said the issues are in our tissues and yeah. um, that you are so right about you know the pain pills masking that and so you know the journey after getting off of them is you know getting the issues out of your tissues and uh, then relieving that pain and I was just wondering 
what um, what kind of alternative um, activities or, or health uh, related things are you doing to um, relieve the pain? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, that's a really, I think you could have a whole podcast just on this subject, right? It is, yes, <laughs> um, yeah. It's so interesting, it really is, and I think the more and more research is out there, I mean, you you and I are both, you know, scientists, so we like to dive deep when we dive yes. deep, um, yes. but for for me, I mean, it's really kind of been a, you know, multifold healing and, and certainly it's a dynamic right because mm-hmm. I certainly would not put out there that I am a hundred percent that I am healed that I am all oh, life is great mm-hmm. it is great it's so much better than from where I started telling you about this journey it, sure. it really truly is and how did I get there I mean I, first thing I could say is like I re I reconnected back in I guess 2000 sixth with uh, the love of my life she was my my first girlfriend in in high school gosh we actually I was in junior high you know my first crush yeah. 1980 <laughs> 1981 I think we met each other and um yeah we kind of went our separate ways but we reconnected back in 2006 and um and we we've been together ever since and we we got married in 2014 when we were allowed to legally get married. And, uh, you know, that that has been paramount to my healing, really, to have that love and support to allow me to heal. That, you know, instead of shutting someone out like I always did, I, I actually allowed, I allowed my wife in, you know, and... Um, and I remember sitting down to her and early in our relationship and said, hey, you know, I don't want to keep repeating these mistakes that I'm making in relationships where I don't, you know, it was me. I, I don't open up. I don't talk. I'm afraid. Again, that abandonment issue creeps in and says, yeah. hey, this person's going to leave you. Shut them out, which is just so counterintuitive, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, I just, you know, she... She she told me she said I will always support you and you know she she's been key she she's always supported me and and loved me and 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 believed me about the abuse which you know that's something that you know we didn't really touch on but you know there's some people in your life that that, that don't believe you I think that for whatever reason that is whether it's a parent who doesn't believe you because they don't want to you know I think it's painful for parents to hear that I think it's probably the most painful thing a parent can hear right like oh you're you were abused well some people run from that and say well no it didn't happen Hmm. and some people embrace it I think parents these days are more you know able to embrace it and I understand generationally you know but aside from that we're talking about healing and my wife and she's been wonderful and she's she's got she's you know she practices buddhism and, and that calmness in her that comes from that mm-hmm. is really something that she's tried to impart to me because you know i tend to be she calls me her her fiery <laughs> she used to call me her fiery girlfriend <laughs> oh wife um and i had to learn you know and she's 
taught me uh, one of those tenets of Buddhism is you know mindfulness, be aware of the the present moment in your actions as as they occur, and you know think for a minute before you explode. And so you know her support and guidance in that manner has been great. I mean, she's trying to get me to meditate lately. I I do do it just through you know the phone apps that you can use, which are really great. Yeah. But um, I'm not, you know, I'm certainly not any kind of master at all. I have a hard time getting really concentrating for a long time. But I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Yeah, it, it takes time. It's definitely a skill that to develop. And, Is you that know, something you do as well? Yeah, and the there's an old adage, you know, you could practice your breath for 45 years and still not be an expert at breathing and uh so it, it's something that although you might struggle with it just the fact that you are um dedicated to trying it is an important part because what's the yeah. alternative right 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 <laughs> yeah exactly i mean i think it's so good in so many ways to um you know, especially for a healing journey, for, uh, you know, it's helpful in so many ways for pain and um, just understanding who you really are, your inner self, and, and that, you know, that's so important. Because if you push that away, I, I don't think you could ever truly be happy. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's just, that's one part of it. You know, the second part of it is, again, I mentioned my brother earlier. Mm -hmm. He, he's been a great support. Again, this, this, this part of the, the healing journey is, is really, you know, what I'm talking about is support of your family and, and your friends. I think that's just so integral. You've got to have that support mechanism around you, uh, whether it's one person or whether it's a, a numerous people. But for me, it's, it's really been my wife and my, and my brother who, who have really been there for me. And um, it really helped through good times, through bad times. And, you know, he's, he's just been so wonderful and, and kind of my great defender, kind of like my superhero. <laughs> yeah, you guys are very close. Yeah, yeah, we are and we have been. And uh, it's, it's, been, it's been great. I mean, you know, co coming from beating each other up and having to be separated <laughs> to where we are now. Right. <laughs> so when, um, with all of this... I know that um, this is kind of your first time speaking publicly about mm -hmm. the the trauma that you've experienced. What what um, in you made you decide to go take that leap? Oh gosh, well, um, I think in the last couple of years, you know, since I've I, I moved to Arizona about six years ago, I guess, um, just from the Washington, D.C. area where I was born and raised and lived most of my life with the exception of, you know, college and that sort of thing. But um, I, I, that, that moving to Arizona, um, not, I wasn't running away, um, but I was trying to, what I perceived, get away from a, a negative environment or, you know, that's how it felt to me. Just kind of like I've been there my whole life, all this trauma happened to me here. Um, maybe if I change venue, it'll allow me to just 
open up and really be myself. So I think in the last few years, I've really um, understood and also just seeing the more acceptance um, of people talking about sexual abuse and, hey, actually, it's not that bad to open up about it. In fact, it's probably really helpful. (laughs) I think that, that, you know, go west young woman mentality <laughs> where, where you're, you're kind of free to be you yeah. um, has, has led me to, to open up and say, hey, yeah, it's okay. It's okay to talk about it. Um, and nobody's ever really asked me to talk about it publicly. And I, and I mean, I, I, I'm thankful to you for, for having me on because it, I think you and I talked earlier that it is it is cathartic and it is um, really therapeutic just to talk about it in a in an environment that's going to reach more people than just the person you're speaking with on the phone or, right. or face to face. So I think it's it's really really uh, just that you know, and getting older and understanding that it's not the end of the world. Um, what happened to you? In fact, you know, it happens to everyone in, in some way, shape, or form. Everyone's had their own trauma, right. and this just happens to be mine, yeah. <laughs> and it's okay to talk about it. So, I mean, other ways that I have found that have been, you know, really for me integral to healing is, um, again, another fun podcast topic, because I know you share this love as well, but my love of my dogs. Yeah, and just the absolute absolute healing power of animals. Yeah, and they truly, you know, I've I do a lot of dog sports with them. Um, I participate with my one dog in one a sport called canine scent work, and it's really um, a relationship that you build with your dog. You have to have a really strong bond to be able to read the dog. Essentially, the dog is searching for essential oils but it's based on the sport or the uh, discipline of bomb and drug detection dog right Mm. so you you learn the same um ideas and the same um uh it's the same skills you put in place but they just turned it into a sport where the dog searches for essential oils in various environments whether it's you know containers or open rooms or outside or whatever but the 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 point is it's this bond that you have, it's this deep bond that you have to foster with the dog. And, and as you know, um, you know, dogs release oxytocin in humans, right? That, that, mm-hmm. that deep, that ancient peptide hormone that, that <laughs> has such great implications in, uh, in social behavior and development and, and helping people and, with trauma and, and facilitating your immune system, I mean, it's it's just it's the it's the happy pill, right? right. <laughs> Oxytocin, so um, you know, suppresses the bad cortisol, and you know, we can get into scientific discussions about it. But save it to say, it, my dogs have really, you know, that that has really helped me heal so much. And um, you know, I've always had dogs, but. Since I've been in Arizona, getting involved in the sports that you, you know that you can do with the dogs and and that really deep bond that you form by doing that has really been really powerful for me. Hmm. Um, and 
think also things like being in nature, again, being out here, my God, I mean, everyone has opportunity to be in nature. Just walk out your door, go for a walk. I mean, I highly recommend that to anybody, any day, mm-hmm. every day. It's wonderful. And I know you know this because, hey, your whole life is out there, right? right? Yes, yes. <laughs> now it is. Yeah, but it really is, um, you know, that gardening and hiking, it, for me, that that commune with a higher force, that bigger than you are, and being out there and really taking in that, that it's all inspiring to me just to look beyond and look up in the mountains or look up at the night sky. I mean, that, you know, it just, it, I'm just a little person on this planet and <laughs> all this life around me that all works so symbiotically. It's, it's just, it is amazing and it, and it, you can't help but make you happy, right? <laughs> right. We're connected. Yeah, there we are. And then, you know, I guess another part of my healing is exercise and nutrition. Um, again, a whole other podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know you're big, you're big on the nutrition and exercise as well. Um, and then finally, I guess, just trying to do something creative. Um, I, uh, even if it's five minutes a day, although I, I, lately I haven't been doing this, but I was pretty diligently doing even just five minutes a day. If I could sit down at my piano and play the, and play my piano, it, it's really a great stress and anxiety reliever. It, it, it's really amazing because it allows you to slow the tempo of your mind, I like to call it, you know, that constant chatter that you get when you have... PTSD and this, you know, I call high functioning anxiety, and um, it's it's super helpful to just sit there and go through the exercise of playing music, and uh, you can break it down as uh, your right brain, left brain, both coming together. That you know, it's amazing. Music therapy is amazing just listening to music it has been shown over and over again to contribute to pain management i mean it's it's actually been shown to provide immunoglobulin defense you know antibody defense and it's really uh helps you sleep oh my god there's so many things about music but it's just it, that act of being creative i think is also like super uh, healing as well, especially for somebody's mind who's always in in the you know science mode, math mode all the time. If you can switch over and do something creative, yeah, um, that's very also has been very helpful to me. So those are kind of like the the fourfold you know, ways I guess that I use to to relax. In addition to having that support of my of my family and friends and. Uh, just kind of still, I guess, like we said earlier, it's, it's, it's dynamic and certainly not a static situation. It's always changing and always seeking to, you know, just just be happy and, you know, not, don't dwell on what did happen to you, but try to go forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, if, if there was somebody out there, Lori, that maybe um, is listening and 
is looking for the courage to take that first step in sharing what's happened to them and that first step in healing. Woody, do you have any advice for them? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, it's, again, it goes back to like that fear of divulging or that sense that nobody's going to believe you. I mean, I think that, first of all, we're in an environment where there's so much help available. If you're not comfortable talking to a parent or uh, somebody else, then you ha- there are so many programs out there that are available to you. There's there's apps out there that you can even you know download on your phone that that can give you you know professional psychological guidance, and uh, you know it probably takes a little bit of that. Um, fear a way to have that, you know, kind of puts up a little bit of a barrier. If you don't want to talk to somebody that you know, that that that, that those resources are available and, and they're easily accessible and you don't have to go combing through them like you used to, or how do I find a therapist that, we, is, that I can even trust? There's so much, you know, of that available help out there. But, I mean, for me, and I, and I would say if you do have somebody that you trust that that you that could be a confidant for you that that you know is going to give full credence to what you're saying the first step would just be I would say reach out and say hey you know I I have something that I really would love to talk about and and would you hear me mm-hmm. and just making that first request of would you hear me and that person saying yes is it's does wonders. I think that is a really good first step. I mean, I did therapy. I did, I did go to therapy for about three years, and again, that was just the, you know, put the wheels in motion or gave me the tools to be able to, um, to think about what happened to me. Yeah, it didn't heal me. You know, <laughs> that right. was a few, several years ago, but it gave me those tools to at least be able to comprehend what happened because there's so much that is subconscious Mm. and you don't even realize the damage done so I mean I highly recommend anyone to reach out for professional help Mm. because certainly these things sexual abuse can lead to depression severe depression and all kinds of really you know terrible mental states that, that that can be prevented if you just realize that people will help you that you can rely you know you could you could if you wanted reach out to your pastor at church or wherever you might seek spiritual guidance that's another really good resource um for people so i you know i think first step tell somebody yeah on the other side of that Lori, um for somebody who their friend comes to them or their sister or brother and is is ready to share what can the person do who's listening what what do you think is the best advice for that person who's listening to their friend or um sibling tell them about the sexual abuse 
Yeah, wow, that's a really good question. Because, <laughs> like, what, how do you, yeah, I think from the person that might be receiving that information, it's not, it's not easy to know what to say. Yeah. Right? Especially if you go to, you know, a family member, because that can sometimes backfire on you um, uh, if they don't want to hear it, mm-hmm. or even a friend, you know. Um, I think for the person receiving that, the first tenet would be for me is just to say out loud to that person, I believe you, mm. you know, I believe you. And I know it took a lot for you to tell me this. Mm. I know it took a lot of courage for you to tell me about this. You know, the second thing that you might want to consider is to also reassure that person the victim <laughs> that it's not your fault yeah. you didn't you didn't do anything to deserve this don't blame yourself that's where therapists can really help you because certainly i'm telling you that is a biggie <laughs> the self-hatred and the blame um and then you know just to always tell that person that you, you're not alone you know i'm so glad that you're sharing this with me um, that, you know, I'm always here for you. I'm here to, I'm here to listen to you. And, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that happened to you. And I do, I have empathy and I love you and I will support you. I mean, I think those are the biggest things you can probably say to help that person that you hear them and that it's not your fault. You're not alone. I care about you. All these things that, um, the sexual abuse survivor doesn't understand or is fearful that nobody would ever say to them. So I think that is a huge thing. And uh, if, if anyone does receive that information, I, you know, I think one or all of those things are really great. And, you know, also point to, you know, the resources that they might use to help them. I know there, there are organizations, like I said, there's, there's apps you can go to and that sort of thing, but you might, you know, point them to things like, I think there's one out there called uh, RAIN, R-A-I-N-N, and they help people with sexual abuse. Uh, I think they have a hotline, but there's lots of those out there. But as the person that might receive the information, you know, you might try to help that person also navigate, how, how do I get professional help? And, um, that might also be a really good avenue for the person. That's that's great Both advice. People. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I will I will um, on my website I have uh, a blog that I'm putting uh, resources on that match the episodes. So oh, we'll great. definitely oh. be putting some resources for the survivors of sexual abuse. Music therapy, there's like, there's all, you know, music therapists out there as well. I mean, that's yeah. pretty powerful, I think. So, yeah, it's uh, cool. No, it's been, it's been really wonderful to talk to you. I'm sure we could talk for hours. but <laughs> Yeah, and I want to do some follow-up podcasts, definitely. You have mentioned so many interesting um, topics and uh 
all with one life here on earth that, (laughs) you know, we, we, um, experience so much in our life, but yet sometimes, um, don't have a platform to share what we've learned and how we are on the healing journey. And that's what I love about what you've said. Um, and I know it's going to help a lot of people. Is there anything else that you um, didn't get a chance to say that has is on your mind that you wanna you wanna say? I mean, I I don't think so. Other than it, it has been my true pleasure, and I really am honored that you that you had me on your podcast. I really am, and I think what you're doing is absolutely amazing, and and I think one of the greatest gifts that people can give to Aww. each other is to help them and that's what you're doing and I really applaud you for that and I thank you so much for having me. Well, from Dr. Lisa Clow to Dr. Lori Clow, <laughs> I'm honored right. to know you and I'm so honored to have you on the show and namaste, the light in me sees the light in you. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you.